Thank you all for leading us in worship today. Amen. I don't want to take for granted worship. There is a difference between praise and worship. There's a difference between praise and worship. We often call it praise and worship music. There's a difference. We praise God for what He has done. We praise Him for what He's done. We don't worship for what He's done. See, there's a difference. Anybody can praise. We worship Him for who He is. And so worship is never based on my circumstances. Praise may be. But worship is always based on who He is. That's why no matter what, He's worthy of my worship. No matter what I'm going through, no matter what I'm facing, no matter what has gone my way or hasn't gone my way, He's worthy of my worship because He, I worship Him because He's God and God alone. I thank God for the privilege of worship. I am marked by the powerful move and ministry of the Spirit of God that we have been privileged to be a part of the last few nights. Thank you for those that were able. This is not an indictment or a slight if you weren't able to be here. I know different people had different plans, and we did a last-minute announcement. But for those that were able to join Friday night and Saturday night here, what a powerful move and witness of the Holy Ghost in prayer and unity each night. And after Friday night, I was so thankful. I thought, man, maybe we don't need to come back together on Saturday. Maybe, And then I, as I pondered that through the day, I'm like, no, we're just going to leave it be. And, and then again, uh, last night, I think we had close to 60 last night between the two congregations. And we, we live-streamed and joined with uh, the Puyallup and Federal Way congregations. So all of us were together virtually or here. And it was so powerful as different ones would take the microphone in prayer. I'm pointing at the wall, but that's, that's, that's where the, the, the live stream was coming in. But as different ones would take the microphone, Brother Heiner and Brother Nick Johnstone and Brother Pablo Chan and, and Brother uh, Ben Bass and Brother Jeremy Casa. And each time they were, there would be this wave of the Spirit and it would sweep through here just like it was, you could tell it was sweeping through there in such a powerful move of God as we agreed in unity to pray the will of God in the earth. Thank God there was something significant that took place in the Spirit. Amen. Those that were here can testify. And I thank God for that. What a powerful, powerful move of the Lord. Bishop called me afterwards and my phone kept buzzing. It was in my back pocket. And I was, I was talking to Brother Jimenez, and it was buzzing. And then I was talking to Brother and Sister Santos after, and it was still buzzing. I'm like, that's got to be Bishop, because Bishop doesn't send you a text. Like, some people have a thought, and they type a paragraph, and hit send. Bishop has his thoughts, and you get a sentence, and a sentence, and two words, and another sentence, and a sentence. He's, he's, and so, that's like Brother Lewis. He does the same thing, doesn't he? Yeah. And so... 
my, my phone just kept buzzing, kept buzzing. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of like, man, something's wrong or else Bishop's texting. And so, but uh, I, I finally called him back and I, I told, because after the live stream ended, there was such a powerful presence of the Spirit of the Lord that was here that it continued to minister in prayer and a flow of unity and ministry one to the other. It was beautiful. We saw young children weeping, hands raised, the power of God on their lives here in the altar, just so rich and beautiful. I think it went on probably another hour almost after the live stream ended or 45 minutes, just such a presence of God and the unity of the Spirit. And I thank God for that. There is power in the name of Jesus. There's power in prayer We don't pray to make ourselves feel good. We pray to touch the throne of God and have communion with Him. And we pray the will of God from heaven into the earth according to the Word of God. You understand, that's what prayer can do. Jesus said, when you pray, pray our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in earth, in earth, as it already is in heaven. See, the will of God doesn't just happen. If it did, he wouldn't have told us to pray it. So we pray. And we have the ability, when we get in tune with God, to pray the will of God from heaven. Already done there. It's already done in heaven. If we'll just pray it into the earth. That's why we pray. We have to pray the will of God from heaven into the earth. It's the power of prayer. Amen. Praise God. So I thank God for that. Amen. I'm going to dismiss teachers so I don't forget teachers to their classrooms. Looks like they're slipped out already and heading that way. I thank God for our teachers and the ministry that they give themselves to. Amen. And we are going to dismiss children, ages 4 to 11. Children 4 to 11 to their classes. God bless these young people. Look at them. There they all go. Beautiful. Before service this morning, we spread out throughout the classrooms downstairs and begin to pray for our children. We're not... We don't have classes downstairs just to say, oh, it gives the kids somewhere to go and something to do. We believe we have a grave responsibility to teach the word to our children. Amen. Would you get your Bible with me and would you go with me to the book of Deuteronomy? I'm challenged in my spirit today by the word of the Lord and by the spirit of the Lord. And some things, you know, your sense of urgency grows as you get older. And some of you are looking at me like, I don't have a clue what you're talking about because you're still younger. And by younger, I mean younger than I am. But I... I think about people that are close. Brother John Stone can relate over here. I think Brother Jose Luis back here can relate. The older we get, urgency around some things grows. We begin to realize how short life really is. 
Is that the truth? And those of us that are 50 or older, we can, and maybe when you, I don't know, something for me, once I hit 50, I started realizing, man, I, I had to be honest with myself. I probably got less of life left than I had already lived. I mean, I really don't want to live to 100. I, I want the Lord to take me before then. So, like, and when I say less of life to live, I mean less of life on this earth. I do plan to live forever over there. And so there becomes this sense of urgency the older you. And so some people, uh, well, I don't know, people, somebody had said to me, man, elder, it seems like you're sort of uh, like I've caught myself. Like, are you angry? No, I'm not angry. I'm not angry. I'm, the, I, I feel a sense of urgency. Time is shorter. Time is shorter. And so there's a, a stirring in my spirit because of the time. And uh, so I feel the Lord challenging me today. And I want to, by the grace of God and the love of God, let his word talk to us. Would you, would you allow his word to talk to us today? Could we do that? Deuteronomy chapter number 6. Very familiar scripture for many. It is to the Jewish people. That on which everything else hangs in the word of God. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse number 4. Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Thank you for being with us in the house of God today. If you're a guest, we're honored that you're here. I mean that, and we pray that the Spirit of God ministers to you. We need the Lord like never before. Amen. Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Verse 5, and... You shall love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. Now we could stop right there. When I was reading this verse again and again this morning and praying over those words, I thought, Lord, I've got work to do. That's a tall task. Love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, and all your might. Now, keep going. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Notice he didn't say in your head, in your heart. Verse 7, I want you to watch the next instruction. And, everybody say and. So you notice these scriptures keep starting with and, and. What does that mean? It means he wasn't just giving the first part. He was saying, I want all this to be together. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. You see that? It doesn't say you should mention it every once in a while so your kids know. It doesn't say you should... Take them to church every once in a while so they'll know. It doesn't say you should get them in Sunday school class so the teachers can do all that. 
it says, you shall teach them diligently, that's how, to your children. What are you supposed to teach them? You're supposed to teach them, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and him only shalt thou serve. And you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Is that what it says? Teach it diligently to your children. Well, what does that look like? You talk of them when you sit in your house. What do you talk about when you're sitting in your house? You talk about it when you walk, by the way. And you talk about it when you lie down, when you're going to bed. And when you get up in the morning, verse 8. And you'll bind them. What are you binding? These words. You'll bind them for a sign upon your hand. And they'll be frontless between your eyes, verse 9. And you'll ride them on the post of your house and on the gates. What in the world is the Lord commanding? Do you think this matters to God? That we know who He is. That's why this is paramount. This is why the Lord commands. You understand, this is what all of Israel holds to above everything else. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And Him only shalt thou serve. Now, and it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought you into the land which He swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give you great and goodly cities which you did not build, verse 11, and houses full of all good things which you filled not. And wells digged, which you digged not. Vineyards and olive trees, which you planted not. When you shall have eaten and be full. Now, can you go back to verse 11 for just a second? How many of you built the house you live in? Okay. How many of you drank water this morning from a well that you dug? Okay. How many of you ate something that came out of a garden and out of stuff you planted and grew or animal you slaughtered? Now I hear you. I hear some of you. No, but I paid for it. (laughs) (laughs) See, I'm as human as you are. Right? Right? How many of you have eaten and been full? We can just look around the room for some of you and tell. I don't mean that in a negative way. You understand what I'm talking about? Don't let, the, don't let this 30-inch waist fool you. I'm, I'm eating and full. Right? You understand? Brother Robert back there, he's eating and full. Amen. Now... Now watch. We've got to remember the context of everything God is saying to His people here. He started again. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord. There's only one. There's not multiple gods. God doesn't come in multiple persons. There's only one God. God. That's what the Word declares. 
All right? And he said, you better declare this, teach this diligently to your children. I was, oh, let's, so watch. So he said, so, because here's why. He said, here's what's going to happen, though. I'm going to take you into something. You're going to serve me. You're going to do this. You're going you're to believe in the one God. You're going to teach your children. And what's going to happen because you do that? I'm going to bless you. And when I bless you, and you've got your home, and you've got your table full, and your pantries are full, and you're blessed, and life's well and good. Verse 12, then beware. Is that what it says? See, he knows our human nature. He said, then beware, lest you forget the Lord. Now, we could read that and we think, how could I forget the Lord? You know, it's something how when we're in trouble and crisis and pain, we can remember the Lord and call on his name. And we can find an altar of prayer. We can cry out in despair. We can, and we should. We should call on Him. But man, when things start going good and life's well, the job's good, checks are flowing in, the bank account's okay, and, and you know, I, I got a big tax refund so my bank account looks okay, and you know, I just I got some new shoes and new clothes, and my car's all right, and everything. Beware. 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 I Beware lest you forget the Lord which brought you forth out of the land of Egypt. From the house of bondage. We understand Egypt bondage, sin. We can forget what the Lord brought us out of when life gets good. How is it that people can be brought out of sin and then return back? I'll tell you how. They started living for God. God began doing things in their life. Life became pretty good. And they're like, you know what? I think I got this now. Not realizing it was the goodness and mercy of God that blessed my life in such a manner. Verse 13, watch. You shall fear the Lord your God. That's reverence, awe, respect. We need a fresh dose of the fear of the Lord. Some people don't have a fear of God. Not like scared of Him, but in all that says He's real. He's God. There were times when I was a child... My, my mom put the fear of God in me. I mean that sincerely, lightheartedly and sincerely. She put the fear of God in me. Not, not in a bad way, in a good way. But I knew no matter where I went and what I did, God was fully aware. I knew that. And I had a fear of God. Not that he was going to come and smack me upside the head and stomp me under his foot, you understand. But I knew. Whatever I do at school, mom may not know, but God knows. I had a fear of God. I knew however I spoke to my mom, dad may not know, but God knows. Every once in a while, my mom would say she was going to tell my dad, and then I'd go, oh man, that would set me straight in a hurry. 
had a fear of God. She so instilled the fear of God. See, when you believe truly in Him, you'll have a, a reverential awe and fear of Him. It's not about walking around like scared, like, oh my goodness, I don't want anything wrong. God's going to punish me. That's not what I'm talking about. You understand? It's a fear and a respect and an awe of the Almighty God that says, I know He's aware and I want my life to please Him. I'm not treating this walk with God casually. This was the admonition. You shall love the Lord thy God with all of your heart, all of your might, all of your soul. This fear of the Lord. There was times as a child I would go to bed at night. And I would lay down and I knew my life was not pleasing to God. Anybody ever done that? Gone to bed and knew your life wasn't pleasing to God. My wife can tell you, when my head hits the pillow now, if it takes me about 40 seconds to go to sleep, maybe. Some people give me a hard time. How do you do that? I'm like, well, the reason I go to bed is to go to sleep. I don't lay down so I can think about my day. I lay down to sleep. So when I lay my head on the pillow, I think I've made her mad a few times. She said something to me when she came to bed just minutes later, and I didn't. Res- I learned le- the next day. <laughs> she came to bed just minutes later. We usually try to go to bed right at the same time. Not, and she come to bed minutes later, and I'm out. I'm gone. She say something to me and I not respond. Thank goodness she didn't kick me or something. We've been married almost 30 years. She knows now he's asleep already. Right? So you better say something before I lay down. But there was times when I was younger, Brother Joel, I'd lay down in my bed. 10, 11 years old. I knew enough to know. What pleased God and what didn't at 10 and 11 years old. And I couldn't go to sleep. There was a fear of God in my heart. I was taking actions that weren't pleasing to God. I can't tell you. Well, I can tell you. I can't tell you how many times. Unfortunately, more than once. At 10 or 11 years old. Everybody in my house went to sleep. It got really quiet. Slide out of my bed. I'd kneel down on the floor beside my bed. As a boy, I'd say, oh God, please forgive me. Don't come tonight if I'm not ready. I literally prayed that prayer. Why? I had the fear of God. I wanted to be ready. He's going to return. I believe that. He's coming back for his church. I believe the word. I want to be ready. I want my heart to be ready. I want my life to be ready. You say, oh, he loves me. So he's going to, oh, he he loves me. But the scripture is clear. If I love him, I'll keep his commandments. And so my relationship with him. And so I would would crawl out. Why would I do that? I'll tell you why I'd do that. Because my mom had diligently taught me as a child. Diligently taught. Taught me. Some of you heard the story, but it's worth bearing out again. When I was, I must have been eight, maybe a tad younger. No, that was about right. Eight, 
eight years old, maybe almost nine. Summer, the time kids are free because you've been to school all year long and you finally got your summer free. My mom got me and my sister, 18 months older, got us up every morning. And we'd have breakfast and then it's time to go play, right? It's summer. Oh no, not with my mom. You go play in a minute. In about an hour, not a minute. She'd clear the breakfast table. And mom would get the search for truth chart. Sit it right in the middle of the kitchen table. It was search for truth one. They didn't have search for truth then. It was, or two then. It was just this white with black letters and some red on it. She bought me and my sister a Bible from the thrift store. She gave me a new Bible that summer. I still remember it. It was, it was probably about as big as this one. Can you imagine me as a nine-year-old with a Bible that big? I think a sister Alyssa over here. She got her Bible. She's marking it up. She got the word, man. I love it. And it was black, and it had the red around the edge. I thought, this is the coolest thing ever. And, and my mom, she wasn't a teacher. She was my teacher, though. And I'm telling you, we didn't skip any verse that was on that chart or in her manual that she was going through page by page. We didn't, she wasn't in a hurry. She wasn't concerned about, well, let's just move on. Oh, no. And so me and my sister, we underlined every verse, when, and she'd have us read it. And she'd have us both read it, not one. Read it. Okay, now you read it. And I thought I underlined that whole Bible by the time that summer was over. You know, it's supposed to be a 12-week course. Did you know that? It's supposed to be a 12-week course. My mom made it however many days were in my summer. That's how long that course was every morning. I think she gave us weekends off. She figured going to church on Sunday was enough. I don't know. But every morning, that chart came out. Our Bibles came out after breakfast. And we sat at that table. Before we did anything else, mom. Now, some of you met my mom when she came here last year. She's a pretty unassuming person. Pretty low-key. If she were standing here and I'd give her this mic, she'd be like, I don't know. Just let me sit somewhere and leave me in the, leave me in the background. But she took this word to heart. I'm going to teach it diligently to my children. Why does this matter? We better know what we believe in the word of God. Not what somebody told me. What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Not what does tradition say. Not what does men say. Now you think, man, are you crazy? You're a man up here talking to us. I'm not crazy. You better know what the word of God says. It's able to save us. And so this diligent teaching wasn't just a neat idea. The Lord was commanding it because he knew how our humanity is. And so I have those memories. I, I have memories of living as a child. And for a summer we survived, or a year, not just a summer, for a year, we survived on military sea rations. Survived might be a stretch. We, that's what we had to eat. My dad had all these cases. You know what they were? They were all expired, and so the military was getting rid of them. 
And so my dad brought them all home. We had cases of military. This, this isn't the MREs that you get now in the little vinyl things that cut open. No, no, no. This was the round tin cans that are olive drab green. Those little bitty can openers, you know, that are about like that big that flip open and you put on the edge of a can. They're about that. I'm telling you, I could work one of those at 10 years old like nobody's business. That was our meals for the summer. My sister and I rejoiced, or we'd argue and fight over who got the can that had the toffee in it. Because you never knew till you opened it what was in it. Those things shaped my relationship with God. Those things shaped my knowing of Him and Him knowing me. Those things shaped my trust in God. Those things shaped... My grandmother would tell me stories of how she would wake up on a Sunday morning and please stay with me, we're going somewhere here today. We'd wake up, she would wake up on a Sunday morning. At the time, her and my grandfather were pastoring a church, just starting a church, and they met in a barn that had a dirt floor. That's where the church would come and meet, where they started it. My grandmother got up one Sunday morning, and she was praying before church. And when she was praying in her prayer, she saw a big snake fall from the barn down into the floor in the middle of the church. And so my grandfather was leaving early to go to the church, and she called him. She always called my grandfather Daddy, so this is how she told me the story. I wasn't alive then when this happened. But she said, I told him, Daddy, I saw a snake fall. When you open that door and you walk in that church, you wait a minute and be careful. My grandfather tells the story. He went to the church. He remembered what she told him. He opened that barn door and got ready to step, and he remembered what my grandmother said, and he waited, and he said it was just a second later this big snake fell down, that if, he, if she hadn't have told him and he just walked in, it would have fell right on top of him. My grandmother would tell me stories of when they finally had a piece of land and they began to clear the land for a church. She just had faith, see? She had faith, and she knew they needed a place to build a building, and so... She, one day when my grandfather was at work, she was ornery. My grandmother was ornery. And she, she'd get a mind of her own and she'd just go. She'd been praying and God dealt with her. She, she went, don't get me wrong, she wasn't out from under authority. She submitted to her husband according to the scripture. But when she got a mind, she was ready to go. And so she got the hair that, you know what, we need to build a building. This barn thing ain't going to keep doing it. The church is growing. We need to build a building, but we don't have anywhere to build. We need some land. So my grandfather went to work one day and she got my... Uh, one of my uncles that could drive, because my grandmother could never drive, never got her license in her life. She got my uncle Ronnie and said, hey, I want you to drive me over this area. I'm going to go knock on some doors, see if somebody give us some land. Now, you might sit here and think, are you kidding me? That's exactly what she thought. I'm going to go ask somebody to give us some land to build the church. And she tells me the story. It's as vivid in my mind right now, because she told it to me a hundred times, seems like. I thank God she told me. I need to write them all down. But she tells the story. My uncle, and you know, can you imagine my uncle Ronnie? He was just a young, uh, an older teen or young 20s. He just knew I better just do what she says. He, she said, he drove her to a house. She got out. She said the house had a gate. It was a fancy house. She thought, I'm going to start where I can tell they got some means. I'm gonna. And she walked up to the door. She was bold. She was bold. She didn't care. If she had direction from God, she was going. And so she, she tells a story. She said, I walked up to that door. I knocked on that door. And she says, this man came. And to hear her describe him, he looked like a regal king. I guess he had on like this fancy robe or something. I don't know. If it was like, she makes it sound like it was this fancy smoking jacket or something. Like some picture out of Hollywood or something. The way she describes it. Like this, 
this big house with a gate. And she walked and she asked the man, she said, sir, we need, we need some land to build a church. Would you be willing to give us any land to build a church? And she said that man told her, ma'am, I've got land, but I don't have any land for a church. And he shut the door in her face. My grandmother went and got back in the car, said, wrong house. (laughs) She was determined. You know what she did? She said, okay, Ronnie, that was my uncle. She said, she told me, okay, Ronnie, next house. I don't know how many, two, three, I don't know how many, I think she went to the next house. She knocked on the door, whichever one it was. She told the man, sir, a man came to the door. We need some land to build a church. Would you be willing to give us any land? This is what the man said to her. Ma'am, I've got this land. And I thought it would be great if I could give an acre for a church to be built. We need a church built out here. And he gave her an acre of land to build a church. Church is still there today. Well, so they're clearing that land one day. My grandfather, my grandmother, and my mom. Talking about teaching our children. They're clearing that land one day. My mom, my grandparents, they had three boys and four girls. Seven kids. My grandfather wanted four boys. Because he thought he needed an even number to get work done. And so, my mom was the second girl. My grandmother wasn't about to let the first girl be the fourth boy. So my mom became the fourth boy, so to speak. She was the tomboy of the group. And so whenever my grandfather went out to the field or went to do work, it was the three brothers and my mom. She was the fourth one. That's why I was always scared of my mom. I'd get a little ornery. She'd say, son, I can still take you. And she wouldn't think nothing about balling up her fist and giving me a shot right in the arm either. She had to. She didn't beat me, you understand, but I had to fear God and mom. And so, so my, my grandfather and my grandmother and my mom are there clearing one day at the... I don't know why it was just the three of them. I guess the boys were old enough. They were working now. And the, my other aunt was probably back keeping the house. And then uh, the other children were... Uh, my other two aunts, one probably wasn't born and the other one was younger. And so it was my grandmother, my grandfather, my mom. They were clearing brush piles. And uh, on this land where they were going to build a church. And they, they decided to get some brush piles started burning. And they, they had them going decent. And so my grandfather says to my grandmother, I'm going to run to town. I need to get a couple. Th-. You know, run into town wasn't like two minutes then. It was, I'm going to run to town and I'll be right back. And so my grandfather left. And as sure, wouldn't you know it, when he left, the wind kicked up. It's so my grandmother and my mom there with burning brush piles. And my grandmother became concerned. And the wind would go and a little spark would jump and they'd get a little pile. And so it says her and my mom were running and just stomping out these little fire piles trying to keep that fire from spreading. My grandmother's thinking this man gave us this acre of land. Now we're going to burn up all of his land if we don't figure something out here. And, my, and she's, you know, she's saying, why did he leave? Why not? You know, she's thinking about my grandfather. Why did he have to leave? What was he thinking leaving us out here with these fires? And, you know, and... So finally she realized it's going to get out of control. We can't handle it. She grabbed my mom. My mom's name is Donna. She said, Donna, come here. We're going to pray. 
My grandmother says they knelt down on that piece of land in the midst of those brush piles and began to pray. God, we don't know what to do. And she said they prayed until it started to rain. And that wind brought in clouds and it began to rain and it put the fire out so it didn't spread beyond that acre of land. Now hear me today. Why am I telling you this? Those are my grandmother's stories. Those are my mom's stories. And I thank God that I've heard them, but they're not my stories. And what happens if I don't develop a relationship with God is somewhere along the way the stories just become distant memories. And I don't know God. My grandmother knew God and God knew her and my mom knew God and God knew her. But do I know God and does God know me? Do I have a relationship with God? Do I have a story to tell? Can I talk to you about? And so I can stand here only by the grace of God. And I have stories to tell. I I look here at the Santos. I thank God for this precious family and this couple. I remember some years ago. It's probably been 10, 11 years now. Time goes so fast they're getting old. And so... I, I remember some years ago, the first time Brother Lewis, and I think Brother Gabriel was with us. He was just a boy, too. He's getting older, too, and everybody's getting older. And they took us to a Bible study in the Santos house 10, 11 years ago, and we began to pray, simple Bible study, and we lifted our hands in their living room, and as we began to pray, the power of the Holy Ghost fell in their living room, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them the utterance according to Acts chapter 2. And I remember that day. That's a, that's a story I can tell. I didn't produce that. God did that in a miraculous, powerful way. I remember the story of Mavis Jasper, whose liver was growing and growing. She was given less Days to live because she was just going to shut down because of her liver no longer functioning. And God giving simple words to pray and praying the simple prayer, God, you are the creator. Creating her a new liver. It wasn't my idea. God gave those words. And when he gave those words, I declared them in faith. And wouldn't you know it, that very night she began to heal because God did a work. She went to a doctor a couple weeks later. No symptoms any longer. The doctor looked at tests and said, something's different here he said your liver looks like it's not what it says something's different and she jumped off the bed and Mavis said I got a new liver and the doctor was confused he thought oh she got a liver transplant she said no 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 God gave me a new liver now that's my story God did that you got to have a story I don't mean some neat story to tell. I'm talking about where you have a relationship with God. And you have a depth of relationship. And He's your God. And you're His child. Because you're serving Him with all of your heart, all your soul, and all your might. I have sought. I I have not done the best. I've sought to do my best. To teach my children diligently. Diligently to talk of it when we get up, to talk of it. I'm sure there's days where they got tired. Okay, Dad, we get it. We get it, Dad. And I'm sure they probably do, but there's something in the heart of a parent. So I got to teach them again. I want them to have their own story. I want them to know my God, not through Dad, but through their own walk. They're going to have to go through some trials, they're going to have to go through some tests. 
but I want them to know the God I know. I want them to know him by name. I want them to know he's alive and well and real. I want them to know they're going to have some struggles, and they got to go through those struggles because that's how they're going to know him. They're going to have some pain and problems, and I want them to go through it. Does it hurt me? Yes, but I want them to know him. I want circumstance. I've prayed this way. God, send enough pain in their life that it'll keep them on their knees. Send the trouble you got to send that it'll keep them in relationship with you. Why? Because I want them to know God. I want them to know this Jesus that we sang about today. That it's not just a nice song that feels good and makes my emotions stir. But there is healing in the name of Jesus. I want them to know that there is deliverance from every stronghold in the name of Jesus. Not just something dad said. Not just a song we sang. But something they learned in a place of prayer. I want them to know there's nothing more important in your life than living for him and giving yourself to him. I want them to know this truth is worth dying for. I want them to know it. You say, man, you're crazy. No, I'm not. I believe this with all of my heart. I don't think the Bible is just a neat book so I can be religious. I don't think it's just a neat book so I can be religious and go through the motions and say, Oh, I went on Sunday and I did this. I checked the box and everything's good. There is a God in heaven. And His Spirit desires to dwell in the hearts of men. And He desires to bring us into His body, the body of Christ. That's the church according to the Word of God. And He desires to work through us and do a work that only He can do. But we better teach our children. Judges chapter 2. Watch. Judges chapter 2, verse 7. Verse 6. Judges 2 and verse 6. Watch this. Remember what we read at the outset. The Lord teaching. Teach diligent. Verse 6. And when Joshua. Now, you have to understand. Deuteronomy where we read. Moses was declaring the word of God. But Moses has passed. And Joshua led the children of Israel. And now, when Joshua had let the people go, the children of Israel went every man to his inheritance to possess the land. These are those houses they didn't build, those wells they didn't dig, those vineyards they didn't plant. Verse 7, And the people, watch, watch this, The people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. Not only all the days of Joshua, they served the Lord all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua. And what do we know about Joshua and these elders? They were the ones who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. You got that picture? As long as Joshua 
and the elders that had seen the works of God were around, they served the Lord. Verse 8, And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, he died, being 110 years old. Verse 8, And they buried him in the border of his inheritance, in whatever that name is, in the Mount of Ephraim on the north side of the hill Gash. Verse 10, Now watch, pay attention, this is important. And also all that generation, all what generation? Joshua and all those elders that outlived him. All that generation were gathered unto their fathers. They all died. And there arose another generation after them. You see that? Watch what it says about this generation. Which knew not the Lord. Nor the works which he had done for Israel. I have a question. Do you think that generation could quote Deuteronomy 6 and 4? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Do you think that it was still on the doorposts and on the sideposts and frontlets between the eyes? And You know what? I believe it was. I believe it was because we still see it generations later. We still see it generations later. But notice, it doesn't say they didn't know about the Lord. It doesn't say they didn't know all the guidelines of putting this on the doorpost and declaring. You know what I think happened? It's clear to us. They didn't know the works that he'd done. They couldn't relate to the power of God. Because they'd never had any experience where he'd worked in their They knew all the routine, all the ritual. They probably, if they lived today, they probably would go to church with mom and dad every Sunday and every Thursday or whenever they went to church. They could probably quote a few Bible verses. But here's the thing. Mom and dad didn't teach them diligently. It just became routine and ritual for mom and dad. They didn't teach them diligently. They didn't, they didn't declare to them the power of their God. They didn't tell them the stories and help them to understand, hey, I don't know what we're going to do, but God's going to lead us through, kids. They looked to their own intuition, their own ability, their own ideas, rather than teaching their children, God's brought us this far, and God's going to take us on. God's brought us this far, and God's got a plan for us. I can tell you through our struggles, and we've had them in the 50 years of life I've lived, and the 30 years my wife and I have been married. Life hasn't always been perfect, but we didn't try to hide it from our kids. We brought it to the front and center, and we'd talk about, we don't know what we're going to do, but God's able. God's able. There was times just before Ethan was born, we didn't know where the next meal was coming from for months on end. But we would come together and say, God's got a plan. God knows where we are. God's able. And they learned God took care of mom and dad, and God took care of us, and God has supplied, and God's made a way, and God is able. But they have to know the works of the Lord. This generation arose. They didn't know God. They may have known about Him. They didn't know Him. The same way as some of you today may know me, know about me. You're here. Some of you, I shook your hand this morning. Your guests were honored you're here. You can say, oh, yeah, I know him. He's, 
He told me his name. Some of you are like, what was his name? Doesn't matter. I've met him before. I, but you don't know me. And I don't know you. And this is what the scripture is declaring about this generation. They didn't know God. There was no depth of relationship. There had been no works done that they could attest to in their lives. and They, they had just become routine religious tradition. God forbid. God forbid. I don't know for sure, but I'll tell you where I think they missed the mark. Deuteronomy 6 and 5. We know verse 4. I think maybe they didn't teach an example. Verse 5. Mom, Dad. Do your kids really see and know serving the Lord with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your might is the most important thing in your life? Now, this isn't a message for us to walk out and regret if we've got older children. This is a message for us to say, I can do this by the grace of God. I can know Him. And my children can know Him. There is an anointing that's coming on this generation, and I'm hurrying to finish. There is an anointing that's coming on this generation like never before. It's going to be a generation that recognizes God is still alive and well, and He can use me. I was thinking this morning in the prayer room, praying for different ones and different... I was thinking of Jeffrey, we prayed for kids, and I, I went over and sat my hand on Jeffrey's back and was praying with him there. How old are you now, Jeffrey? Are you 10 or 9? Man. Of course, if you were 10 or 9, you'd be downstairs. See, I'm getting old. Everybody! For those that couldn't hear, he said, I'm 13. Eight years ago, Jeffrey was 5. I remember Sister Yesenia sitting right back over here, maybe right about where Reuben and Vanessa are, maybe right behind them. I remember, maybe even in Union Gap once or twice in that building. I remember Jeffrey coming to me and quoting Acts 2.38. You remember that? He didn't quite have it verbatim. I can't remember exactly how he said it now. But you know what? I thought, he's got enough. He knows enough about what it says. He may have missed a word here or got a word out of place there. But that's a boy that at five years old, something getting in his heart. Something's getting planted there. Something's happening there. And as I stood there in the prayer room this morning as we were praying, and I set my hand on this young man's back and was praying, touching the Lord, I felt the Holy Ghost say, I'm going to put an anointing on this generation. I'm going to put an anointing on this generation. If they'll submit and yield to me, I'm going to do something. So parents, we have a responsibility. 
responsibility. Those of you that aren't parents, but yet you're here today and you're an adult, we have a responsibility to the next generation to show who our God is, not just in word, but in lifestyle, in how we live for Him, how we serve Him, how we teach the Scripture, how we open the Word, how we declare the Word. They're not expecting this, and they wouldn't like me to do it, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to ask Melanie, Mariah, and Alyssa if they would come right up here with me, please. I didn't warn them, but here they are. This is like three of the most beautiful girls you've seen in your life, or what? Aren't they? Look at that. They're they're all getting blushing and nervous. It's okay. It's okay. You've heard now Mariah's the oldest. This is the oldest right here. The lady in red. All right. And then Alyssa's next, and then Melanie. And so you just turned 16, didn't you? She'll be driving, pray. And so, and Alyssa, are you 14 and 12? Okay, almost 12. I keep adding it. Now watch. From 11 to 16, I remember. Mariah, remember the oldest? I remember holding her like this. Brother Juan, Sister Mary, I remember. But we have a generation that somewhere along the way, mom and dad's story is not enough. You got to have your own story. He's got to be your God, just like he's their God. And there's an anointing that's coming on this generation. I was so thrilled last night after prayer. I was talking with Mariah. She was sharing the story. She had been at a birthday party with some family. And her cousins decided it's a good time. Curiosity had been taken over. I'd ask her it wasn't. She said it wasn't in an attack mode at all. It was curiosity. Curiosity began taking over. And they were asking Mariah, tell us about Tell us about your beautiful long hair. They may not have used that word beautiful, but they were asking questions. Tell us about, tell us about this modesty and dress that we see. They were asking, I don't know the words that you understand. But they were starting to ask all these questions. Why? Because just like you, they look and they see these beautiful young ladies and they say, there's something different here. And there was questions being asked like, tell us why you don't cover your face with makeup and do all of that. And Mariah, I love it, Mariah said, because I believe I'm beautiful the way God made me. I think I'd told her that a time or two just to make sure it got in that head right there. <laughs> right? And I love this. They said somebody asked, well, do they tell you you have to do that? Do they tell you this is the rule? And I loved it when Mariah said, no. They don't make us do it. The Bible says. What does that tell me? That tells me that in this precious generation, they're coming to know their God. They're coming to know their God. They're coming to know their God. And I pray an anointing on this generation. I pray the blessing and the boldness of God on this generation. Why? Because they're going to be a generation that rises up that know You can be seated. They're going to be a generation that rises up that knows the Lord. And what does the scripture say about them that know him? They shall know their God and they'll do exploits. What does that mean? 
They're going to know their God. And because they know him, they're going to do great and mighty and powerful things. I see Trinity back there. Raise your hand, Trinity. Wave at me back there. I should have had, see, here, stand up and twirl. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> She'd have done it. She'd be like, I don't care. <laughs> I love Trinity's boldness. I was talking to Trinity on Thursday night, I think, after service. Or no, last Sunday night. Last Sunday night, we had a group here, and I was talking to Trinity after service. Trinity, you're 16? 15. I'm, I'm getting close. See, I got a lot of, I, I'm older. You got to give me a little grace here. So she's 15 going on six. I was talking to Trinity the other night after service or Sunday night here at the church right up front. Trinity's telling me how, is it two, one, two different, just one club? Two at her high school. She's got a Bible study group, two of them. She's teaching Tuesday, Thursday, Tuesday, Thursday, Tuesday, hoping in the word of God. And she expresses this to me. And I know Malia, I saw Malia earlier. I don't know where she went. Oh, there she is. She's hiding back there. I know Malia started this burden some years before she graduated high school, teaching there in school, these P7 clubs. What is it? A Bible said, Trinity stood here talking to me about this club. And here's what she's saying. I love this. I love this. It's got me praying about it. She said, you know, the lessons that we have, they seem sort of surface. And I realize people just don't even know what the Bible says. Is there somewhere I can find some resources so we can go a little deeper in the Word when we're teaching these Bible studies at school? And I said, I'll find you something. We'll get something. What is it? There's an anointing that's coming on a generation. And we better know who our God is. And we better teach it diligently to our children. There's something burning in my spirit in this hour in which we live. Stand with me today. We should recognize the hour we're in. We should recognize the need of the hour to know what we believe. And to serve the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now, if you're here and you say, well, that was all Old Testament. Okay. Go with me to the book of Mark, chapter 12. We finish this morning. Mark, chapter number 12. Verse number 28. Mark 12 and 28. We'll get in the New Testament as we finish. Somebody found the lights outside. That's one of those anointed ones. (laughs) Amen. I'd rather be in church turning off lights than out playing somewhere else. I can deal with that. Mark 12, 28. And one of the scribes came. And having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, he is Jesus Christ. Jesus is reasoning with others. Scribe comes, hears this, recognizes Jesus has answered them well. The scribe asked Jesus, him, which is the first commandment of all? You got that? Jesus In your words, what's the first commandment of all? Verse 29, and Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, 
verse 30, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Is that New Testament enough for you? Words in red if you need that too. This is the first commandment. There is a beckoning of the Spirit of God. And His desire to put an anointing upon a generation. That He can use like never before. It, tell you how beautiful God is and how He works. The Lord just started dealing with me through this the last few days. But He just started dealing with me in these scriptures this morning in Deuteronomy 6. I came up here before service. Praise practice was going on a little bit. And Sammy. Sammy's downstairs right now. Sammy, I, I don't know how old he is now. Nine. Eight. Nine. I got one right. One out of 27 ain't bad. Sammy's nine years old. I walked by. Sammy was sitting over there where Brother Reuben and Sister Vanessa are at. Everybody else was gone. It was just him sitting there, and I think Sarah was up front. Sammy's their little boy. Sammy was sitting there. I passed by. He always says hi. I try to say hi to him. I enjoy visiting with Sammy. How you doing, Samuel? Doing good. He says, hey, elder. You want to hear me? You want to hear my scripture? That's what he said. I stopped shaking his hand. I sat down beside him. I said, I'd sure like that. And so he was grabbing his Bible and fumbling through. And he says, oh, I can't find it right now, but I can tell you anyway. You know what Samuel quoted to me? Deuteronomy 6 and 6. You put that up there. We read it already this morning. But he quoted that to me. He said, these words which I command you this day shall be in your heart. I said, Sammy, get it in your heart. Get it in your heart. Get it in your heart. Jeffrey, get it in your heart. Get it in your heart. Get it in the heart of your children. You want to get it in the heart of your children? Get it in your heart first. You get it in your heart. You live it in your heart. It'll get in the heart of your children. And there will be an anointing of God that's coming on this generation. The Bible says that there is a generation upon whom the ends of the world will come. Now you can read that as doom and gloom. I don't. You know how I read that? I read that as this is going to be the greatest generation with the anointing of God on their lives to be used of God to do great things in the earth like never before. And hear me, I'm not waiting. See, see how fast I thought Je I was saying 9 or 10. Jeffrey's already 13. I'm not waiting for him to become 20. I'm not waiting on Mariah to become 25. I'm not waiting on Trinity to hit her 20s. What am I saying? I'm saying there's an anointing now. If they'll yield to it, God will use them now. And we should be expecting as a church, working together, that God will use each and every one that will yield ourselves to Him. Would you talk to the Lord with me right now? Come on, there's a beckoning of the Spirit of God. There's a beckoning of the Spirit of God. 
God, I want to love you. I want to love you with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. In the name of Jesus, I want to know you as you desire to be known. I want you to know me. I'm opening this altar to you. Maybe you're a parent and you want to recommit. Maybe you're a young person and you're going, I want to rededicate myself. Maybe you're here and you're going, I want this in my heart. I want this in my spirit, afresh and anew. I want the wisdom of God to teach my children diligently. Come on, if you're a parent today and you're going, oh, I don't know how. I don't know that I can. I'm not learned. I'm not educated. I don't have it all figured out. I'm telling you, God can give you wisdom. God can give you the ability. God can help you if you'll get it in your heart. He'll enable you to get it in the heart of your children. You want your children to pray? Let them hear you and see you pray. You want your children to be in the Word? Let them see you in the Word and hear you talking about the Word. You want your children to have a relationship with God? Let them see and know your relationship with God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, with all of my heart, all of my might, all of my strength. In the name of Jesus. Come on, talk to him. The Lord is beckoning you. The Lord is beckoning you. It's the desire of God to use a generation. It's the desire of God to use every part of his church. Not just some 50-year-old or some 40-year-old or 30-year-old. But it's the hour of the harvest where every age needs to be engaged. If you're here and you're going, he wasn't talking to me because I'm not a youth. I'm telling you now, I'm talking to you. Every part needs to be engaged in the harvest. The Lord's looking for every soul that will. Whether you're 20 or whether you're 60 or somewhere on other sides of that. God desires to use you. If you and I would come to know him, come to know him. Come to know him. Come on, age isn't a factor with God. Samuel was probably just a six or seven year old boy in the temple. When the Spirit of the Lord came and began to talk to him while he laid on his bed at night. Come on, David was just a teenage boy when the Spirit of God moved on him and he took a sling and a stone. Mary was just a young teenage girl when the Spirit of God came to her and said she was going to bear the Christ child. You understand God is no respecter of age or persons. He's looking for a willing available vessel. You can look in the temple and right before they died, there was a prophetess there declaring the goodness of God at the end of her life. God will use whoever yields themselves. It's not too late to yield. It's not too late to say, here I am, God, use me. It's not too late to say, I want to know you the way you want to be known, God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Faith. 
forever. Are you God? Are you God? Merciful healer, are you God? Are you God? Mighty redeemer, are you God? Are you God? Shield and defender, are you God? Are you God? We stand here in your presence, lifting up the name of Jesus, a strong tower meant to save us, and now nothing will defeat us. We are boldly interceding for our children lost and bleeding. We'll see slavery bow to freedom and the sick restored to healing. So we'll fight for those who have fallen and take back what has been stolen. From my family shamed and broken, hope will rise and hearts will open. We'll see joy, defeat, depression, liberation from addiction. For when we are at our weakest, your power is completed. Faithful forever, are you God? Are you God? Merciful healer, are you God? Are you God? Mighty redeemer, are you God? Are you God? Are you God? Are you God? We stand here in your presence, lifting up the name of Jesus, a strong tower meant to save us, and now nothing will defeat us. We are boldly interceding for our children lost and bleeding. We'll see slavery bow to freedom and the sick restored to healing. We fight for those who've fallen and take back what has been stolen. From my family shamed and broken, hope will rise and hearts will open. We'll see joy, defeat, depression, liberation from addiction. For when we are at our weakest, your power is completed. Faithful forever, are you God? Are you God? Merciful healer, are you God? Are you God? Redeemer, are you God? Are you God? Shield and defender, are you God? Are you God?
We stand here in your presence, lifting up the name of Jesus. Strong tower meant to save us, and now nothing will defeat us. We are boldly interceding for our children lost and bleeding. We'll see slavery bow to freedom and the sick restored to healing. So we fight for those who've fallen and take back what has been stolen from my family shamed and broken hope will rise and hearts will open we'll see joy defeat depression liberation from addiction for when we are at our weakest your power is completed faithful forever are you God are you God Merciful healer, are you God? Are you God? Mighty Redeemer, are you God? Are you God? Shield and defender. Are you God? Are you God? Interceding for our children lost, bleeding, we'll see slavery bow to freedom and the sick restored to healing. We fight for those who've fallen and take back what has been stolen from our families shamed and broken. Hope will rise and hearts will open. We'll see joy defeat depression, liberation from addiction. For when we are at our weakest, your power is completed, faithful forever. Are you God? Are you God? Oh, merciful healer, are you God? Are you God?
Come on, as we're praying, I recognize there are some generational things that are being broken. The scripture teaches there are generational things that can pass from generation to generation. And so as a parent, or as a, you can pray and begin to break those things. And it can work both directions in a generation. It can affect things for the generation to come. And you can also affect things for the generation that came before you. You understand, the blood of Calvary flows into the future and into the past. The blood of Calvary flows into the future and into the past. He can wash away our sins. That's the blood of Calvary flowing into the past. But He can also enable us for the future. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb that's flowing into our future. When we pray the prayer of faith, we can change things for generations. It's where we started. We can pray the will of God from heaven into the earth. For some, we just got to decide. Joshua, you understand what... I, this is just very familiar scripture, but it just came to me. It was Joshua, the one that we... Read about at the beginning that when he died and then a generation didn't know the Lord. It was the generation after. Because Joshua made this statement. You decide who you're going to serve. Whether you're going to serve the gods of the Amorites in whose land we dwell. Or whether you're going to serve the gods that were on the other side of the flood. You decide. But Joshua said, as for me and my house... He said, we will serve the Lord. And so there just has to become a determination in your spirit and in mine that says, as for me and my house. And I feel the boldness of the Holy Ghost right now. See, sometimes we, we, make, the, we make the gospel and the word too warm and fuzzy sometimes. I'm not talking about being unkind or being arrogant in any way. You understand? I'm talking about having a made-up mind. A made-up mind. The Apostle Paul said, I am persuaded. He had a made-up mind. And so sometimes we got to have a made-up mind. And we got to say, you know what? I'm putting my foot down. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You say, but I can't make it happen. And you're exactly right. So what do you do? You go, I'm going to start with me. I'm going to live it with my life. I'm going to give myself to it. I'm going to pour my life into it. And I'm going to declare it over my family. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Declare some things. Declare some things in the name of Jesus. And then let the Spirit of God lead us to walk in it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, God, we thank you for your great grace. We thank you for your abundant mercy. It's because of your mercies we're not consumed. We thank you for your word that cannot fail. I pray let it be written upon the fleshly tables of our heart. We need you, God. We can do nothing without you, but with you all things are possible. I pray, Lord, lead us and guide us by your spirit for your glory and your purpose. Let the anointing of God rest upon the people of God. And let the boldness of God be in the mouth of the people of God. 
In the name of Jesus, I pray. We thank you. We give you honor and we give you glory today. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Praise God. God bless you. Greet someone. Thank you for being here today. Come Thursday night expecting uh, Brother and Sister Flowers. I believe both are going to be with us. Elder Flowers is going to be ministering here Thursday night. I'm expecting great things from the Holy Ghost. So come, find a place of prayer. Let's see what the Lord will do. And God bless you. Greet someone. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.